It was my freshman year of college. I had went away to Iowa for school. It was my first time being away from home and not knowing a single person besides my ex who decided to go to the same school as me. My school had the football players move in earlier than the rest of the freshmen and transfers, and so the football players were around helping people move into dorms. I had one guy helping my family while my mom's sister and I went to the finance aid office to sign some paperwork. Jumping to when classes begin, I was a music major at the time, vocal performance to be more specific. My classes were very jam-packed, and I had a strict schedule so I could fit in times to eat. This will be relevant later on in the story. A kid in my class was taking up some of my voice lessons time with the teacher, so I told him I'll just bring up the homework to the cafeteria after my lessons. He agreed to it, so we exchanged social media so I could let him know when to meet me. I don't ever give out my number to strangers. After my lessons, I ran home to change into some sweats. This is important, so keep this in mind. I had did this before going to dinner. Fast forward to dinner time and I had met up with the kid at the cafeteria. I gave him the homework and we parted ways. I ate and then I went back to my room to do homework. My roommate was at study group, so she wasn't home. Well, about five minutes after getting home, he had messaged me on Snapchat and he had asked me for help with the homework. I told him to send me his questions via Snapchat and I'll try to help him that way. He insisted on coming to my room, even though I protested about it. He eventually stopped messaging me, so I assumed he was over it and would just leave me be. Well, about 10 minutes later, there's a knock on my door. He randomly showed up at my dorm, though I never told him what my room number was. He pushed his way in, so I agreed to help him with the homework, and then I said he has to leave. He said okay, and so we just set up my desk. Now, I sat as far away as possible from him while still being close enough to help him. After a few minutes, he had put his hand on my thigh. I asked him to remove it or I'd tell him to leave. He removed his hand for a few minutes before then putting it back. I stood up and I then went to walk away from him. But he had grabbed my wrist and then pinned me on my bed, which was right next to the desk. He then ripped off my clothes and I remember hearing the tear of the fabric. Then, not going into detail, he raped me. After he was done, he grabbed his stuff, saying he was ready to go. I walked him out because I thought I would get in trouble if I didn't, because it was after hours where we had to escort people walking around the building. As he was leaving, he actually said that it was A1 for him. I just went back to my room and just laid there staring at the tiles on the floor while crying. My roommate got home and I had tried to tell her what had happened, but she didn't care enough to stay awake and listen. The next day I woke up late for class, so I didn't get to shower. This will be important, as you may know if you shower after, it can wash away evidence. I rushed to get ready and go to class. I had this class with him yet again so I sat away from him on the completely opposite side of the room. He actually had the audacity to message me on Snapchat halfway through the class, and I lost it. I grabbed my stuff, and I ran out of the room. My friend at the time had talked to me going to the dean. The dean was helpful at first, 
But then after a while, he told me I was just trying to ruin his life and football career, even though he raped me. Regardless, they said they would have to call my mother and tell her, and I panicked because I hadn't even told her yet. So I left the dean's office, and I went to call my mom. My mom convinced me to go to the hospital after I told her that I hadn't had a chance to take a shower yet. My plan was to do it as soon as I got off the phone with her. Fast forward to the hospital, and my roommate came with me. The rape kit stated there was trauma in the lower region of my body, as well as an allergic reaction to the latex of a condom that I didn't notice he used. My roommate was there with me the whole rape kit until the cops came in. They sent male officers into my room while I was having the vaginal exam. The officers asked me what I was wearing and what I did to provoke him, which led me to start crying and shutting down. They then told me they didn't think anything could be done, and they even asked me if I felt comfortable enough to message my rapist telling him that what he did to me was wrong. I got hysterical at this point, and the doctor who was already upset that they sent male cops into my room told them they needed to leave. That's when my roommate left, and then took the cops to gather the sweats that I was wearing when the assault happened. When I got back to campus that night, I ended up moving dorms. The next morning, I went back to the dean with my roommate, and I asked for an order of protection against him. They did give it to me, but then I was the one taken out of my classes while the school did their investigation. By this point, the attacker found out where my new room was, because he was entering the building when he wasn't supposed to, and he had made friends with the girl across the hall from me. I would come home with things written on the dry erase board that I had on my door, calling me a liar and a whore and much more. I ended up having my first suicide attempt after six years clean of self-harm. My partner, who was just a friend at the time, had sat outside my room until I would open the door for him and show him I was okay. He brought me all of my favorite snacks and some flowers. I moved yet again. Where I moved to was a very closed-off area. Most people didn't even know it was a hallway because the door that closed off the hall looked like a janitor's closet. Important to note, I didn't tell anyone where my new room was besides my partner who was with me all the time, and my friends who didn't associate with anyone I used to be friends with. Then I found out that when the police confiscated the clothes I was wearing, they also took the clothes he was wearing, and the condom he used that he kept as a trophy. However, with all of this evidence, the police still dropped the charges though because there wasn't enough evidence. The school investigation was even worse because it ruined my life more than his. Not only did it take me from classes, but it ruined relationship with friends, etc. I eventually had to close the school investigation because it was starting to impact me academically. But by then, I was already filling most of my classes beyond repair. He then started to stalk me wherever I went, taking videos and pictures of me and sending them to my professors saying that I was lying to the point that they asked me if I could get over what he did to me if he just apologized to me. He again found out where my new room was, and he tried to get me in trouble with the RAs by saying I had things on campus that shouldn't be on campus. The RAs came into my room at 4am. I don't blame them for this because they felt horrible for it, but they had to investigate the accusations, and they searched my room, tearing it apart. One night, my partner and I were hanging out with some friends when I got a text message from an unknown number and then a snap from my old roommate, the one who was with me when all of this took place. 
My rapist was now dating my roommate and he had sent me a video of them having sex. I flipped out and I took it to the dean the very next morning and they wouldn't even reopen the case. I completely blocked out everything and everybody I hung out with when I first got onto campus. The rest of the school year went okay because of this, but at the end of the year, I went home and I had to take time off school because my GPA was so low due to failing those classes and I had to go to community college before I could enroll in another university. All that being said, I don't want anyone to think of me as a victim. I'm healing now and I'm still with the same guy seven years later. We're actually getting married in October 2025. I'm also finally about to graduate with my BA. I did change my major to English though. So many good things have happened to me since then that have helped my healing process. I also had trauma before this because my father is very abusive, but that's a story for another day. Who knows, maybe I'll share it one day. If you can take anything from the story, let it be known that you can heal from whatever trauma you go through. I was hanging out with my roommate Robert, who's also my best friend, and we decided to go do a late night walk outside. We had walked from my house and into the woods about four blocks away. It was about midnight when we arrived, and we walked into the woods for about a mile. We then came across an abandoned building with no windows and no doors. Our curiosity got the best of us and we decided to go inside the building to have a look around. When we got inside, we had took out our phones and turned on our flashlights so we could see what was inside and where we were going. Well, here's where it gets terrifying. When we shined our flashlights around, we saw on the wall in big capital letters and black spray paint that said things like, Help me! As well as, Get me out of here! There were also pentagrams everywhere, along with spray-painted sayings of, Get out! Robert and I were freaking out really bad at this point, but we decided to go into another room in the hallway. Right when we got there, we were then hit with an incredibly awful odor. It was so bad that it had made us gag to the point of almost vomiting. We continued to shine our flashlights around, and we saw on the wall that said, I warned you! in big capital letters, and then we shined into the floor, and what we saw made a scream. There was a woman's body laying on the floor drenched in blood with stab wounds. She also looked to be in her late 40s. We had assumed that that was the cause of the bad smell. We both screamed so loudly that not only did it echo all throughout the entire building, but it felt like our vocal cords were going to wear off. The sight of the body literally made me sick, and I threw up. I did it so much and so hard that it seriously felt like I was vomiting out my guts. Not only that, but it had freaked me out so badly that I literally ended up shitting my pants. Robert also threw up from the sight and smell of the body. After we were done doing what we were doing, we then ran the hell out of there and called 911. The police and paramedics arrived 10 minutes later and we told them everything. They took the woman away in a body bag, and we gave our numbers to the police so they could contact us for updates on the situation. Then they left. Robert and I decided to head back to our house after that horrific incident. 
The entire walk home we were covered in our own vomit, and there was also shit running down my legs inside my pants. I know that's not the point, but the sight of the dead body really freaked us the fuck out. When we finally got home, we went into our own bathrooms and then showered to take away the stink from the vomit and whatnot. We both then discarded our soiled clothes. We didn't get any sleep for two nights after that, and we now have awful trauma from that night, and now we're both scared to walk outside at night. However, the next day, the police called us on our phones, and they told us about the woman. She was apparently stabbed 17 times, 9 times in the chest, and 8 times in her stomach. They found her killer. It was her ex-boyfriend, and he was arrested for murdering her. Apparently, he killed her because she dumped him for another man. Then, after about a year later, we found out he was sentenced to life in prison. Robert and I can still remember the disturbing image of the woman, and it still gives us nightmares to this day. That night will forever scar us. My name is Kathy, and this happened to me in 1998. I don't remember the exact month, but it was before my birthday, which is in August. I was 29 and I was pregnant with my youngest daughter and my last born. I was at the Atwater Music Store in California with my friend T while our other halves were next door at the recording studio with Carrie Stainer. T and I didn't know that he was there and he had not been caught yet. Our dumbass other halves decided to bring Carrie Stainer over to the music store where T and I were at and they left that evil person with us two ladies for about 10 minutes, which felt like forever. T and I were in the back of the music store. Now, she's a big lady, and I'm a little lady. So when the guys left to go get them beer at the liquor store, Carrie Stainer stayed. And all I can tell you is that I've never seen such evil eyes like his. If looks could kill, just by the way he looked at us, I felt that feeling. I then said that T and I need to go sit, because the front music store is where the only chair was. I will never forget the way he looked at me like he was looking through my soul. T and I then went to the front of the music store, and then the dumbasses got back and Carrie Stainer left. T and I told the guys what happened, and they told us that he had a fight with his girlfriend and he told her that he was going to kill her. Needless to say, T and I completely went off on the dumbasses, and not even a week later, he got caught. I know in my heart that T and I and my unborn baby would have been dead if the dumbasses were gone any longer than they were. The story is extremely dark. Trigger warnings for sexual assault and suicide, as well as prescription medication. I feel like enough years have passed that I can write about this. I can finally get through it without breaking down. This story is about Crystal, my soul sister, as well as me, Becca. I met her in elementary school in about 1986. She was a quiet kid, and I was too. I think that's why we clicked so well. We became fast friends. She always got bullied in school and I always tried to look out for her. I accidentally broke a boy's leg once when I shoved him for picking on her. Life got a little more complicated as we got older. 
Her dad was a functioning alcoholic, and her mom struggled with mental illness. I reckon that she had shock treatments at some point and was never the same. I was told that, and I never asked anything more about it. Her brother was a real piece of work who ended up doing some sketchy things to her and I. We were absolutely terrified to tell anyone, and it kept up. The things that did happen really messed the two of us up, and even to this day I'm still affected by what we saw, as well as what we were forced to do. Counseling has helped me come to terms with everything that happened. In 1997, we were in the ninth grade. Her mom got a new apartment. It had door locks and it seemed to be safe. She was so excited and she had begged me to stay over. We were under the impression that her brother wouldn't be there and we had a great time. We dozed off probably around 11 p.m. Several hours had passed and it was nearly 2.17 a.m when I was then startled awake. At first, I wasn't really sure what the heck was happening, but then I realized someone was on top of me. There was a hand clasped over my mouth and a knife to my throat. It seemed like time had stood still. I completely disassociated and I mentally blocked out what was happening. It was painful and rough and I wasn't strong enough at the time to fight the person off. I was beaten, bruised, and violated. I just acted as if I had passed out. He must have been convinced or satisfied because I then felt him walk away. I already knew in my heart what was happening next, and there was no way I was going to let her brother do that to her again. I waited until his back was turned, and then when he was starting to do unspeakable things to her, I grabbed the butter knife off the dresser that we had previously used to prop open the window. All of the pain and hurt that I was feeling went into savagely jabbing him and stabbing him. I got him about seven times before I had the crap knocked out of me. I was jolted away by paramedics giving me the smelling salts. I felt the IV getting jammed into my arm. I remember hearing the medic telling me we were safe and that we were both going to be okay and that we'd be off to the hospital in no time. There was a lot going around us the entire time. We were separated, and we both had to have stitches, and had an SAEK ran. A sexual assault evidence kit. I felt so dirty and ashamed. I was also extremely terrified that I was going to jail for jabbing him. I remember crying and apologizing. The cop had looked as if she was going to ball with me. She held my hand and assured me that had I not defended us, we wouldn't be here. He admitted to saying that he was going to destroy us and do as much damage to our insides as possible. Court happened and we both had to testify. He was sentenced to 16 years in prison and he has to register as a sex offender for the rest of his miserable life. We both received heavy therapy and counseling. High school rolled around and I ended up at a different high school than her, but she eventually came to my school in the 11th grade for a year. I was still her friend, but not as close. I didn't want to think of it or even be reminded of it. I just focused on school and work. I was working all the hours I could after school so I could buy my first car. A 1987 Buick Regal souped up with slamming sounds, and I got my first place. I graduated top 15% with straight A's as well as honors. Crystal and I drifted more over time. 
She had two kids and she eventually got married to a scumbag. They had made some bad decisions together. When I talked to her in 2002, she had just lost custody and her two boys got adopted out. I ended up having my own children and moving out of state to get a fresh start. I went to college, became a CNA, and then phlebotomist, and I became certified to give hospice care. In 2014, she had reached out to my parents as they were always good to her. She had had another son by then. His name was Jesse. She was really struggling a lot, and I let her back into my life. I moved in with her, and I helped take care of her boy. By this point, Crystal was heavily addicted to Xanax, methamphetamines, and pain medications. I get it. She needed to numb herself. She always went big and never felt numb enough. By Christmas of 2014, she was on a downward spiral, and I knew it wouldn't end well. The last day I got to be with her was January 5th, 2015. She had asked me to watch her boy while she went to McDonald's. She returned two hours later messed up with no food. She was staying with her mom and her boyfriend at the time. They had previously taken her medication away to give it to her as needed. She couldn't handle not having and controlling that much medication on her own. It was absolutely clear she was on something when she came back. I later found out that it was oxy and fentanyl. She was snooping, and unfortunately she found her medication. She handed me a handful and said bottoms up. I yelled at her, and I took away her medicine bottle from her. I let her mom know and then gave them back her bottles. She wouldn't let us know how many she took, so I always kept an eye on her. At one point she got up and she was wandering around at some point, and I thought she was good. What I didn't know is that she took a large amount of narcotic pain medication, as well as benzos, cold medicine, Adderall, and anything else that she could find. I went to her room to check on her after feeding her son and mine. I had heard noises coming from her room, gurgling and thrashing and pounding. I slammed open the door and then flipped on the light. She was blue-lipped, foaming at the mouth. I went into action and I called 911, but I then passed it off to someone. I tried to clear her airway. I sucked out a bunch of foam, which I now know was medicine, and started doing CPR. Five minutes in, she was getting bluer. There were no respirations, and I felt her ribs break. I kept on, but I eventually stopped. She went from rigid to limp. I knew that I had truly lost my soul sister. I remember being pulled off of her and being told that I did everything I could. They asked a lot of questions, and it was honestly way too much for me to process. I got arrested for disorderly conduct that night also. Jesse, her son, ended up going to live with his dad, John, who had stepped up and is still a close friend to this day. It's obvious Jesse was really affected by it. I watched his soul get crushed, as there was nothing I could do for him during this time. He ran away from his dad just last year. I shot him a text just to make sure he was okay, and make sure he's eating, and see if he's okay on money. He usually responds, but it never gets any easier for me. Inside, I know I'll try to make it up to him, even though I know I can't. I hope his life is full and he finds happiness. As for me, I was just staying numb, 
just working in an autopilot. I finally got my own life together, and I got off benzos and opiates cold turkey on May 29, 2018. I was definitely given a second chance, and I'm extremely grateful. I only wish that my soul sister could have had one too. Rest in peace, Crystal.